Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit. The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit. My name is Tree Song, and we have a guest with us on the line here. Can you hear us now, or? Oh, you're a little quiet there. I'll turn you up a little bit. Um, but I think we've got you pretty good now. All right. Yeah, there you go. So that was, we listened to, just before talking here, we listened to a song called Bastille Day by Rush. Uh, Bastille Day is actually on our holiday list this week, because it's coming up next week. Uh, so, yeah, that goes out to all the political prisoners out there, all the nonviolent defenders, everybody who's struggling for their freedom. Are you going to sing the title of this <laughs> first? I can try. <laughs> Let's see, like, it's raining renewable energy loans. Hallelujah, it's raining renewable energy loans. I didn't come up with this lyric. <laughs> My fake lyrics are a little bit more in tune with the beat. <laughs> Last week, the Department of Energy, the DOE, announced a $4 billion loan guarantee program for renewable energy products. Internationally, renewable energy, the solar in particular, looks like it's going through a process similar to what happened to the personal computer starting in the 1980s. Remember, did you realize that there was no such thing as a computer before, well, a personal computer? Before what, 1984? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I do remember getting, uh, I mean, they became, it, it sort of went through a phase like they're talking about with solar here. It went through a phase where if you were like a research institution, you could have a computer. And then it was like if you were a really rich private individual, you could have one. And now it's increasingly gotten cheaper to the point where a lot of people, like even if they don't have a laptop, they may have like a smartphone, which is a computer that is more advanced than anything that it was there when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. So, technology leaps, prices drop, in a few decades people are holding in one hand the kind of processing power you once had to petition an elite research university to get access to. And, of course, using it to post pictures of cats on the Internet, right? <laughs> of course, and videos of cats. <laughs> but solar is following the same trajectory Warren Buffett is investing in solar. The Guardian is publishing vainglorious editorials about how solar panels in Australia are beating up coal plants and taking their lunch money. <laughs> Swagging nerds of the car and rocket variety are boasting about their enormous solar panel factories and so forth. But similar to the personal computer business, solar requires a lot of upfront investment. It takes a lot of research and development, a lot of startup capital before product starts rolling off the assembly line. That's where programs like the DOE's loan guarantees come in. The government isn't actually writing the checks here. It's just encouraging banks to write them by promising if the company goes belly up, the government will pay the bank back. Programs like this are cheaper to handle than outright grants, and while they do represent some risk to taxpayers, it's not like they're going to send us all to the poorhouse. Uh, Solyndra's bankruptcy, which was, I want to say, like a billion dollars or some ridiculous amount of money, 
um, was a loan guarantee from the DOE. But Solyndra's bankruptcy, for example, didn't bankrupt the DOE because the DOE did some of that, knew that some of the emerging tech that it was helping to fund wouldn't pan out. But much of it did. So while we did lose some, we won a few more. So the DOE claims to be interested in all of your weird ideas, but states a particular focus in a few areas. Energy storage, a big issue. Technology that helps integration with the pre-existing electric grid. And biofuels that can be used within our existing energy structure. They call that drop-in biofuels. Uh, this does make sense. Energy storage is the holy grail of clean energy research. I mean, our current grid as it is now, energy is produced and has to be used because there is no storage. Yep. Yeah. So, so if you're an energy impressionaro with a killer ID and a hankering to fill out forms, you can talk about it to the DOE directly. And we actually have a link if you want to receive the newsletter. We have a link directly to them. Um, this is why I think it's completely ridiculous that the idea of the, well, the solar freaking roadways mm, yeah. people are all jumping all over that. <laughs> because if it was an actual viable idea, they could have got tons of money from tons of capital investors. Yeah, they could have filled out the DOE form. to go to the general public to mm -hmm. get, which is actually a small amount of money in the realm of solar investments, like, you know, a million dollars. Yeah. But, um, this whole I was actually, I'm actually following a Kickstarter campaign right now mm -hmm. that has beat out the solar freaking roadways as far as its, um, what do you call it, money. Mm -hmm. It literally went yesterday from $500,000 pledged to $1.3 million pledged in one day. <laughs> wow. And what it is, it's a, it's a, a cooler that called the coolest. And it's got a battery pack in it so that, you know, you can plug it in the wall to charge the battery pack or um, plug it into your car to charge it. Currently, it has no solar option. But the cooler has a place on the top of the lid for a blender. Hmm. And then on the front of the cooler, it's got a place, uh, it's got a waterproof um, Bluetooth um, speaker set. So hmm. ah. you can plug in, you know, any electronic device like a cell phone and play music over the speakers of your cooler. <laughs> the coolest. The coolest. <laughs> And that, those are a few of the things. Otherwise, it's just a really, really heavy-duty, good cooler. Yeah. <laughs> but people are jumping all over it, um, basically pre-ordering it for like 185 bucks for the cooler. Yeah. Um, and they've got like... Anyway, I thought it was a really good idea when I looked at it yesterday, and apparently <laughs> a lot of other people, because... Like 4,000 people pre-ordered it yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. From when I looked at it in the morning to when I looked at it in the afternoon. So. Yeah. And then if you had a solar system set up, maybe you could plug it into the solar system. I mean. Right. You'd have I mean, to have... They, could, they could add a small solar panel to the side of the cooler, but it would pretty much um, probably add, you know, like, I don't know, 
it could be an option, an add-on option. Yeah. Hmm. You could add a solar panel for probably 80 bucks, probably, solar panel and a little charger. Hmm. But, you know, $185 plus 80 bucks, that's a big difference. So. Yeah. Would be a good option. I do like this idea of doing loan guarantees as a way of encouraging development in that area. Cause you know, if, if all goes well, it's just a loan guarantee and they're not actually paying anything. And then if just right. one or two of the projects fail, they have to pay something, but it's, it's not like going through the whole granting process and spending all the money. Right. I mean, the, the thing is, is, um, They are basically pushing new technology and banks aren't, of course, going to loan money to new technology. They're only going to loan things to a sure thing. Yeah. And a lot of banks still consider, um, solar a new technology. I mean, realistically it is. It's, you know, um, started in the nineties really and it wasn't until, you know, the 2000s that it really became a mainstream. I mean, 2007 is when we got grid intertie in Southern Illinois. Yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't even been mainstream in Southern Illinois for 10 years. Hmm. So we're talking a very new industry. Yeah. But a very big growth industry. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So hopefully that'll help with that growth. It would be nice to have everything running on clean energy instead of fossil fuels. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's this story about fossil fuels. Well, it's hey, really... Before you go to that, would you want to talk about your blog? Oh, yeah, I could talk about my blog. Because uh, when you said, speaking of the future and clean energy, um, there's this new blog that I've been reading about, What do you, I guess... What do they call that? Future casting? Yeah, future casting. <laughs> so it's, it's a blog as if it's the future. Yeah. When climate change has already happened and people are, you know, working hard to fight the consequences, right? Yeah. The blog is called Goodbye Miami and it's, it's set in the year 2030. It's about someone who is living in Miami in 2030 and the oceans have risen and then a, a hurricane comes and pushes the oceans over the tipping point and Miami just gets flooded and it's a pretty unrecoverable flood. Miami's just going to be underwater now. So the blog tells her story of being a climate refugee because she has to leave Miami and uh, she visits some familiar places to some of our listeners <laughs> during her sojourn away from Miami. Uh, and it explores, I try to explore a lot of issues in there that are coming up uh, in the current day. Like I've done I think two posts now that have mentioned the Solutions Project because the Solutions Project is working on getting us to clean energy for the entire country by 2030. So in the and what's nice about the Solutions Project is it's not one solution, you know, one silver bullet for the whole country. It's divided up by state by state, and each state has a different plan. Yeah, that's what's so good about them in my mind. I mean. I, I've had the idea years ago, oh, let's make the whole country 100% clean energy. <laughs> you know, A lot of people could come up with that general idea, but they've done the hard work of doing some research of seeing, oh, well, in Illinois, a really practical balance is this and this and this, and here's how you could achieve that. And they've got 50 states and 50 plans, 
and it's called the Solutions Project. It's solutionproject.org. And there is a local group, Southern Illinois Solutions Project, that is working on that. I know they just had a meeting where they discussed with people who have uh, local electrical cooperatives, trying to find ways to turn those into so you know solar powered, renewable energy powered cooperatives. So it's coming to Southern Illinois. It's coming to other parts of the United States. I mean, really, my dream would be that reality is more optimistic than I am, and it actually succeeds in getting us 100% clean by 2030. No, there's too many dirty-minded people to be 100% clean, but yeah. we may get close. We may get close. And in my blog, I leave it kind of vague about exactly how far we got, because it's all based on us. It's based on what we do now in 2014. If we really work right. at it, we could get really close to 100% renewable energy. If we just sit around and wait for other people to do it, well, we're not going to get very far. Because the fossil fuels barons, they're not going to sit around and wait. They're going to push for dirty energy. Did you call them barons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an, a, an old school term for them, fossil fuel barons, coal barons, oil barons. So what's the address of that blog? That blog is goodbyemiami.com. And you can also find it on, if you find it on Facebook, you can like the page on Goodbye Miami and it'll tell you when there's a new entry. Doing a new entry about once every other day. Sometimes I'll do two days in a row, sometimes I'll do two days without, but about once every other day. And I just brought it up because you were talking about the, you know, renewable energy and that was like one of the last entries. Yeah. Um, you want to read the next one? Sure. On a less renewable note, here's, here's a story, but it's someone trying to do good work. Meet the Andy Griffith who's going after fracking polluters. David Hossemeyer of Inside Climate News has been covering a kind of crime that, that a reporter has to go out and look for. Earlier this month, he profiled Deputy Sheriff Hector Zertuche of Alex, Tech, or excuse me, Alice, Texas. Sutuche is a 70-year-old long-timer who was assigned to the Environmental Crimes Unit back in 2006. That's basically people tracking down people who dumped broken-down sofas on back roads. You know, his job usually involves finding trash, litter, that kind of illegal dumping. Um, oop, lost the story here for a second, but here it is. But yeah, so while he was doing this, while he was patrolling looking for people dumping that sort of household waste, he noticed that people were dumping something else, something black and slippery and awful smelling. That turned out to be benzene-laced fracking waste. Sir Tucci tracked down the culprits and sent samples and detailed reports to the relevant state agencies. But the most the agency ever did was issue a letter of reprimand. So after a little research, Sir Tucci figured out how to make the offenders pay using state laws that were laid out during Texas's first oil boom over a hundred years ago. So he went the extra mile and he saw nothing was being done about it and he found laws that would be sufficient to stop them from doing this dumping. Another Texas sheriff, Dwayne Villanueva of Carnes County, is seeking criminal charges against another dumper. He's hoping that their hard work out there will inspire a few spaghetti westerns or at a bare minimum, a Miami Vice-style television show. Now that's something I've always thought we should have is like a television show where they're 
going after the environmental criminals and it's you know about tough justice for people who pollute the planet and poison their wasn't well, there a show like that called captain planet yeah there was i remember captain planet go planet <laughs> <laughs> i've never actually seen it i met the guy oh yeah the voice <laughs> um actually i think i've seen one episode but it was a cartoon of saving the planet right yeah, cartoon of saving the planet, and they had different people from different countries, and they would unite their powers to save the planet. Pretty good, feel-good environmental show. It probably <laughs> raised a whole generation of environmentally conscious young people. Although Captain Planet was a while ago, <laughs> so people who watch that are getting older, but still active in the world. All right, so should we get on to this next one? Are you still there? Can you hear us now, Orr? I think we may be losing Orr over the the waves in the ocean. Can you hear us, Orr? No, we've, we've lost, we've dropped Orr's call. We will see if he calls back, but in the meantime, I'll go ahead and get on to this story here. Europe really wants Americans' oil and gas. It isn't just oil companies that are pushing the U.S. to drop its near-total ban on crude exports. European Union negotiators are trying to convince America to not only end the ban, but agree to a, quote, legally binding commitment that would guarantee both oil and gas exports to its members. Washington Post got its hands on a secret European Union document along these lines. They describe negotiations related to the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. The free trade agreement could affect $4.7 trillion in trade between the U.S. and Europe, and energy supplies are at the forefront of their mind. This is a legally binding commitment to guaranteeing the free export of crude oil and gas resources. All right, I think we've got Orr back on the line here, so let's hold on one moment and get Orr back on the show. We are back, and I believe Orr is back as well. So do we still have you on the air, Orr? Uh, we had we had Orr for a moment there. I'm not hearing Oh, him. there you are. There you are. <laughs> kind of quiet. Okay. 
Yeah, we've got you back now too. So you want me to read one now, or which one are you reading? Yeah, you can go ahead with... Uh, we were about halfway through the Europe story, so we were talking about the legally binding commitment that this new agreement would do. So why, We don't really have that much oil and gas, so why do they want ours? Yeah, well, one thing... I mean, one thing that really gets me about this is so many of the people who are talking about oil and gas development in the U.S. are saying... Oh, well, we want to get energy independence. I don't know if it's quite energy independence if you harvest all of that oil and then sell it to the European Union. I mean, then we're still going to be dependent on whatever we're buying overseas. Could it be that the oil and gas industry is lying to the American people? Surely not. I don't understand why the Europeans are so anxious to get their hands on our oil and gas anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, they, as long as they're using that as their primary fuel source, they've got to get it from somewhere. And if they're worried about supplies in the Ukraine, is one big concern they have right now. So they're like, oh, well, if we can't get it from the Ukraine, we'll just get it from the U.S. All right, we better... Oh, yeah, we're almost, we're running out of time, so... Well, poop may help fight climate change. It's not a good time to be living in the ocean, aside from oil spills and the scourge of plastic pollutions. The seas are becoming more acidic due to humanity's CO2 flooding the atmosphere. The altered pH of the water makes for a bevy of problems for making fish act in really weird ways to dissolving the shells of creatures critical to the marine food path. So let's see here. They're trying to make it so that the whales change their bathroom behavior. Hmm. After feeding on krill in the briny deep, whales head back to the surface to take massive number twos. Hmm. These fecal, fecal plumes are laden with nutrients and widely consumed by plankton, which in turn takes away carbon from the atmosphere when photosynthesis die and wind up at the ocean floor. Hmm. So that's pretty interesting. They're studying ways to make the whales um, defecate. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, because the whales, this sounds like something that the whales do naturally, but in order to do it, we need to protect the whales. If there are more yeah. whales, they'll be, they'll be, you know, what's the term here? Flocculent fecal plumes <laughs> to keep the, so, the plankton well fed. And the plankton sequestered. Maybe a way of mitigating climate change if we can restore the whale populations throughout the world. Yeah. And I like that because, you know, protecting whales is a good thing for its own reasons. There's no reason we should be going around killing so many whales. So if you protect the whales and they protect us from climate change, I mean, it's a pretty good deal. There we go. Today is Cheer Up the Lonely Day and World Population Day, so... Um, if you do cheer up someone lonely, make sure you don't get them, um, what is it called? Pregnant. <laughs> populated. <laughs> we don't populate it. There we go. Yeah. So Saturday. We have enough. Yeah. Differently colored eyes days coming up on Saturday. Barbershop music appreciation day on Sunday. Oh, and embrace your geekiness day. For me, that's every day, but if you haven't been, Sunday it's is also, the day. Sunday is also fool's paradise day, so. <laughs> 
you have to balance being a fool and being a geek, right? Yeah. And Monday is Bastille Day. We were talking about that earlier. It's also okay. Monday is <laughs> Pandemonium Day and National Nude Day. Yeah. So if you walk down the street in the middle of town, you n- naked, you could accomplish both of those. Yeah, you'll cause a pandemonium. Right. Tuesday is Tapioca Pudding Day and Cow Appreciation Day. Yeah, Wednesday is Fresh Spinach Day, and Thursday is Peach Ice Cream Day and Yellow Pig Day. (laughs) Happenings. The Carbondale Community Farmers Market, Saturdays from 9 until noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Meet the community, meet the farmers, get good food. Sounds like good foods, good times. Coming up next week, we've talked about this before, but it's actually coming up next week. It's the Pastors for Peace Friendship Caravan to Cuba. This is the 25th Annual Peace Friendshipment Caravan to Cuba. It will be coming to Carbondale on Tuesday, July 15th. That's this coming Tuesday. The visit is an opportunity to show support for ending the U.S. economic blockade and travel ban on Cuba. Caravanistas Art Heitzer and Jim Bauman will be welcome to the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship that's at 105 North Parish Lane in Carbondale. The evening begins at 5 p.m. with a performance from the great local band Hot Sauce. At 6 p.m., a Cuban-inspired dinner will be served, to be followed by a message from the Caravanistas. Now, they've been doing this since 2000. Uh, the Peace Coalition has worked with other friends of the Cuban people in southern Illinois to assist the caravan as it transports all of these donated goods. They've got construction goods, medical, educational supplies... All sorts of stuff that isn't getting through right now because of the blockade. But they go along 10 routes through 130 U.S. and Canadian cities in order to challenge this blockade. And it's a free community event sponsored by Peace Coalition and Social Action Committee of the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Now also mark your calendar for Sunday, June 29th at 8.30 a.m. where the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship's Open Mind Discussion will present a video People to People about the Pastors for Peace Caravan with Hugh Muldoon providing reflections on his experience in Cuba. Um, Tuesday, July 15th, Cyberbully, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Women's Center. Join the Women's Center for three film discussion events focused on bullying prevention and response. Teens are welcome. Films are PG-13. All events are free and open to the public and take place at the Women's Center. For more information, contact Dr. Jean, Prevention Educator in the Ripe Crisis Service Center, 549-4807, extension 251. Uh, Cyberbully actually premiered on ABC in July 2011 and tells a story of a teenage girl who bullied online, who got bullied online. So, yeah, it's... um, yeah, and part of the value of going to the event is, you know, you get to see the show and you get to have a discussion about cyberbullying. So that's very important to take action against bullying. So that's on Tuesday, 6 p.m. at the Women's Center, 610 South Thompson. Yeah. All right, well, it looks like that's all we have time for this week on Your Community Spirits. Once again, it's been an exciting and informative episode. Hope you've enjoyed it at least as much as we have. Any last words before we head out? 
Uh, send us an email if you'd like to receive uh, our newsletter with all of this information and all the links. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Have yeah. a good day. See you on the radio next week. Yes, see you next week on the radio.